0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. I always come out at the wrong time. It's kind of a thing. I try. I try so hard. Um, I want to tell you, it's always an honour and a privilege to be with all of you who are here in person. Amazing. But for those of us who are here in person, can we take a second and just welcome the thousands of people that are watching right now or later on this week online. It's just amazing that you're joining us too. We love you. So what are we doing here? What are we doing here today? It kind of hit me when Rachel was singing earlier. Why are we here? And I can't speak for you, so I'll speak for me. We're here because I'm here because the wind and the waves still know His name. So it's amazing to me because there's this story out of the New Testament. The disciples are in a boat with Jesus, and this storm blows up and it's crazy, and, and, and the waves are coming over the sides of the boat and, 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 and they're threatening to sink, and it's bad, and they're panicked, and Jesus is sleeping. And they Just when they think they're going down, they go and they wake Jesus up. And he stands up and he says to the wind and the waves, peace, be still. And it went to dead calm. I'll tell you why I'm here. I'm here whether you are watching online or in person right now. I know something about you. I know there's some wind and there's some waves and there's some storms in your life. And I know that sometimes it feels like your little boat is threatening to sink. I'm here for only one reason because I know that the wind and the waves still know his name. Years and years ago, after I had been teaching for a couple years, I had a buddy walk up to me one day and he says, hey Mike, you know what they say, right? Not knowing who they were, I wasn't really able to ascertain what they say, so I said, no I do not. He said, they say that those who can do, And those who can't, teach. And those who can't teach, teach P.E. Now, (laughs) outwardly I laughed uproariously, but inside I was a little bit rattled because, after all, I was a teacher. And not only that, but in addition to teaching English and history, I also taught, you guessed it, P.E. It's funny, though. As the years went on, I realized that just the opposite is true. I noticed that the greatest teachers, like the greatest teachers didn't teach PE, they also didn't teach math or history or English or biology or chemistry or even astrophysics. The greatest teachers teach people. More specifically, they teach integrity and character and kindness and determination and fortitude. In fact, I would suggest that the greatest teachers could maybe better be described as leaders, leaders. And in that sense, when it comes to character, when it comes to kindness, when it comes to integrity, when it comes to determination, here's something. If you don't have it, you can't give it to anybody. Leadership. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today as we turn our attention in this New Testament book of 1 Timothy to chapter three. Just a reminder again that what we call the New Testament book of 1 Timothy is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a leader named Timothy, and Timothy was pastor in a city called Ephesus. Very interesting city, about the same size as this city that I'm standing in right now, in Chilliwack, just over 100,000 people. A lot of diversity in Ephesus, just like in Chilliwack, there was people starting to come in from all over the world. So amazing, something to be celebrated. But there was something going on in Ephesus, and I would suggest to you today that there's something going on in our city and our culture right now, that there are cultural forces that are threatening to not only have a celebrating diversity but to get into a state of division and paul says in this letter timothy you need to celebrate the diversity be so grateful for it but you need to stand against the division in the church because timothy's in this spot where he's like this is annoying you know the church is annoying it's full of people you know and 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 people can be really annoying and and paul says "No, no no timothy you need to stand your ground You need to to stand for diversity. You need to stand against division because the church really matters. We talked about this a little bit over the last few weeks, but for you and me, I believe our life can be boiled down to this, that we're here to know God and to find freedom and to change the world. Really, that's why we're here, to know God. I really believe that when you get to know God, His, his mercy and his magnificence, his grace and his greatness, his love and his kindness and his creative genius, Man, I mean, you're gonna to get to know you better. It's gonna change everything. You're gonna find forgiveness for your sins, the power to change, a purpose to live for, and the promise of eternity. When you really get to know God, really believe that, the wind and the waves, they still know his name. Isn't that incredible? And when I talk about finding freedom, this is what I mean is, a, I mean, there's all sorts of obstacles and, and pitfalls and things that are holding us back from being the people we were created to be. And the longer we live, the the better we get to know God, the more that we find freedom, that we break free from those barriers that would hold us back. And we need to change the world in this sense. As we have got to know, are getting to know God, we help others know Him too. As we are finding freedom, we help others find freedom too. That's it. That's how the world changes, one life, one story at a time. And you can do that all on your own. You can. You can know God, you can find freedom, you can change the world all on your own. But not well, not really. If you really wanna get to know God, if you really wanna find freedom, and if you really wanna change the world, one life, one story at a time, you need to do it together with his people, his family, and it's called the church. So Paul says, Timothy, I know, I know, I know, it's annoying, you wanna back out, you wanna back down, but you gotta stand your ground because the church is worth fighting for. Leadership. Leadership. First Timothy, chapter three, starting at verse one. If anyone wants to provide leadership in the church, good. Look that word, anyone, if anyone, anyone, anyone. That's radical. Back in 1517, there was this Catholic monk named Martin Luther, and one morning he woke up, and he nailed 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Castle Church in Germany. And that marked the beginning of what historians call the Protestant Reformation. And we're a part of that movement. You might not know it, but we're a part of it. And when he nailed the 95 Theses to the, to the door of the Wittenberg Castle Church, Luther was basically saying, hey, we need to pull back from the indulgences, there's a little Reformation pun for the two of you that get it, from the indulgences of the medieval church, and we need to return back to the church as Jesus intended it. You know, as documented in the New Testament book of Acts. And one of the primary things that Luther talked about is we got to get rid of this distinction. If anyone wants to be a leader, we got to get rid of this distinction of, like, levels of followers of Jesus. Like, believe it or not, in the medieval church, this is what they would say. I would say to you, hey, here's the deal. God listens to me when I pray. He does not listen to you because I'm a Christian superstar. Okay, so here's the thing. If you ask me really nicely, maybe give me a couple bucks. What I'll do is you tell me what you want me to pray to him about, and I'll do that for you because I am a Christian superstar. Luther says, thank you so much. I got one laugh. It's good. Luther says he can't do that. It doesn't work that way. The Bible calls it the priesthood of all believers, anyone, anyone, anyone. There are no levels. We are all on one level completely dependent on Jesus, completely glorified in Jesus. We have access to God. We have access to salvation. We have access to power, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is. Luther said it this way, all Christians whatsoever really and truly belong to the religious class, and each and all of us are priests. Anyone. Paul says, hey, if anyone wants to be a leader in the church, that'd be good. And here's the kicker. You are a leader. You're a leader. I don't want to creep you out, but somebody's watching you. Somebody's following your lead. Somebody is learning from your example. Leadership is influence, and you have it. You say, well, I don't want it. Okay, you have it. So say, well, I don't believe you. Well, <laughs> you're a leader. There's a natural gift of leadership. It's really simple, that for every one of us, someone's watching, someone's learning, somebody is following our lead. We all have the natural gift of leadership, and then the Bible talks about the spiritual gift of leadership, that some people, when they begin to follow Jesus, that God gives them an anointing. It's documented in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. There's a whole list of spiritual gifts, and one of them happens to be leadership. And that's the ability to take a group of people and have them lift their eyes up from the temporary to the eternal, from the mundane to the miraculous, I I, I guess from the struggle and the brokenness and the challenge and the hurt of this world to lift our eyes up to a place where we look up to a savior named Jesus who says, take heart, I've overcome even this world. And say, well, how in the world would I know whether I have the spiritual gift of leadership? Oh, that's easy, lead. Paul suggests lead in the church. Whether you have the natural gift of leadership or the spiritual gift of leadership, just lead. It'd be good if you would. Lead in your family. Lead at work. Lead in your friend group. And yeah, it'd be good if you would lead at church too. You say, Mike, are you just trying to convince us to serve? Sure. Sure I am. It'd be good. It'd be good. There's so much leadership that happens here, even on any given Sunday. Do you know that there was people here on the facilities team hours and hours ago preparing the way for you? In fact, there were some here yesterday. They're cleaning off the roads, they're pulling weeds, they're trimming the grass. You say, that's not leadership. It's not. Leadership is what? Influence. Subconsciously, when you drove in today, something told you, ah, they prepared for me. I was expected. I matter. Yeah, yeah, that's leadership. Isn't that awesome? I had a friend of mine that showed up at church at Southside last week for the very first time. He said it was kind of confusing when he drove in, he wasn't exactly sure where to park. But he said, I was amazed at the parking team. They're so enthusiastic. They seem so happy to see me. Why would that be? Oh, they're leaders. They're leaders. That's influence, right? To influence you to understand, you matter. You're important. And you walk in and there's these people in the lobby and they've got these orange shirts on. And the orange shirts say, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? Because you're worthy of help. You're worthy of assistance. You're worthy of my concern. How can I help? That's leadership. Right now we're here but there's another service going on just across this facility, and that's Southside Kids. Man, there is so much leadership happening there right now. It's incredible. A few months ago at Southside Kids, the theme of the month was initiative. Remember that? Initiative. We had some parents come to our kids' pastor, Emma, and say, what have you done with my children? I was like, what do you mean? You know what happened this week? They cleaned their room without being asked no 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 I'm serious I'm not joking one of them asked if they could set the table they didn't fight for 22 minutes it was absolutely amazing what happened oh leadership leadership happened leadership happened then we come in here and and the band plays and the tech team text, and the sound team sounds, and everything comes together, what's that called? Oh, that's called leadership. That's a group of people coming together and praying, God, would you please use us to lift the people's eyes from the brokenness, and the challenge, and the anxiety, and the struggle in this world, to a savior who says, take heart, take heart. I've overcome the world, and the wind and the waves still know my name. That's leadership. You know, youth up front for senior high students happens every single Sunday at 10.30. And I want to tell you something absolutely insane that happened this morning. At about 10.30, a senior high student, I'm just guessing, okay, I'm guessing, but I bet you it did, walked up the stairs to the youth mezzanine. We built a youth mezzanine just for the youth. Okay. I'm a little too old for it, okay? So, but we built it for them. Because they're not the future of the church, they're part of the church right now, right? One of them walked up, and a youth leader looked at them and said, hey, hey, you, you had a test last Tuesday, right? How'd it go? No, no, I didn't make that out. That happens all the time. That's crazy, right? That's incredible. Or, or I know you've been struggling with anxiety. I've been praying for you. Can we talk about that this week? You you know that that might just be the most powerful thing that happens here, today, right? As leadership. And what what I would want to suggest to you is this: like we're all called to bring our natural gift of leadership into the church and do our part. And then we figure out along the way, hey. Maybe I have the spiritual gift of leadership. And I say that because every once in a while I'll have somebody say this to me, hey Mike, how do I get your gig? How do I stand up in front of a bunch of people and speak? I say, yeah, it's so easy. It's like one hour work, you know, every Sunday. It's so easy. I can see why you just really want to do it. Okay, so, but, 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 but here's the thing. I never know how to answer because it's not like, how do you bake chocolate chip cookies? Which I also don't know how to do. But, I, but, but it's more simple, I guess. You could look it up. Or how do you drive from Chilliwack to Red Deer? That I can do, and there's directions. How do you become a visible leader at the church? There's only one answer that I could give you. Just lead. Just lead. I was leading in the church years and years and decades before I ever happened to come on staff. You see the weirdness that can happen, though? Because next thing you know, we're going back to the medieval thingy, where I'm like, hey, I'm a Christian superstar, and... uh, you know, you got the Carhartt toque on, I'm not sure about you, but if you're really nice to me, I will pray for you, because God listens to me. You know, we're all leaders. We're all leaders. And so you just lead. And then every once in a while, God will say, hey, you know what? You're you're, you're gonna do this role, and this role happens to be one where you are full-time at the church. Cool, and if not, great. We're all called to lead. And Paul goes on, he says this, A leader must be well thought of. Now he's making a bit of a transition. The funnel is narrowing. So let me say again, I really believe that no matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done or even what you believe right now, man, I would love if you'd be a part of what we're doing here at Southside Church. I would. I think you should lead. I think you should take your natural gift of leadership and use it. And every once in a while you'll see, man, I got a spiritual gift of leadership and it's great. But Paul is starting to narrow the funnel here And, and now the word that he's using in some translation, it's called the word overseer or bishop or superintendent or church official. What does it mean? It's really simple. It's somebody who has influence in the church. What do I mean by that? I actually mean specific influence in two areas. Number one, you are a decision maker in the church. I hope you all aspire to that. Where you can roll up your sleeves and go, man, how can we reach more people for Jesus? How can we have more people lift their eyes up? How can we remind the world even better that the wind and the waves still know his name? That's amazing. Paul says, if you're going to be a decision maker in the church, or if you're going to be somebody who stands up on a stage like this, and southside side kids, or southside side youth, or, or, or here on Sunday, and tell your story, well now, well now, Paul says, you've got to be well thought of you got to be well thought of. And by the way, I hope everybody here, man, I would love to hear your story. There's nothing more powerful in the world today than the story of a changed life. Unbelievable. But Paul says before you start to make decisions, before you get up in front of a bunch of people and tell your story, you need to be well thought of. What does that mean? Well, you need at least 2,500 Instagram followers. I'm 1,500 short, okay, so I'm working on it. Um, No, it's not that. It basically means this. You, you, You can't be doing something, you can't be up to something that makes the church look bad. I know this is going to take a lot of imagination, but every once in a while someone in the church world, a leader in the church world, does something really stupid and it makes the church look bad. No, that really actually happens sometimes. Paul says you better be well thought of. So what does well-thought-of exactly mean? Like, you're, like maybe it seems like Paul is saying, hey, you got to be perfect before you serve. No, not at all. Again, no matter where you're at right now, there's always a place for you to serve. But before you are going to make decisions or before you're going to get up publicly and tell your story, we, we want you to be well-thought-of. And what it means is this, is as a follower of Jesus, you're going to bump eventually into a verse into a passage proverbs 3 5 and 6 and it says this trust in the lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path okay and so basically what that means is this i'm following you jesus i'm acknowledging you in my life to the best of my ability i am going to follow you and so if you're leading that way i'm going to lead that way do you see the beauty of that kind of leadership because now i say follow me but what am i really saying Follow him because I'm following him, and what often happens is this: this is the goal. I talked to a dad um, in between the or after the first service. And he says, "You know what's amazing? My son used to follow me as I was following Jesus, and now he passed me, and now I'm learning from his example." That's it. That's the goal. Okay. So you you have a choice. You're like, okay, I'm following following Jesus. I'm following his lead. I'm acknowledging him in all my ways. He's directing my path. Here I am, you know. Psalm 37 verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. So I delight in your law, God. I'm following you. Okay, now wait. But no one's perfect. Everyone sins once in a while. Well, I want to talk about what Paul means when he says well thought of, well thought of. What does it mean? Well, there's two kinds of sins. You can, you can have a moment, or you can have a mindset. Really, really important distinction. You can have a moment, or you can have a mindset. You can have a moment, or have a mindset. Here's what I mean. So here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm walking down this path, I'm trusting the Lord. With, see how happy I am, see how I'm walking all jauntily? I don't even know what that word means, but I bet you I was. Okay, so I'm trusting the Lord with all my heart, and I'm acknowledging him, and he's directing my path. And here I go, but I have a moment. You know, in recovery programs, they say, be very careful when you see something called a halt. Halt, H-A-L-T. When you're hungry, you're not you. When you're angry, you're not you. When you're lonely, you're not you. When you're tired, you're not you. I have a moment, I get that halt moment. I'm hungry, angry, lonely, tired, maybe all of the above. And in that moment, I'm acknowledging him, I'm trying to follow him, but I stumble. I had a moment. You see what I mean? And and when I have a moment, when I'm following him, when I'm acknowledging him, when he's directing my path, when I have a moment like that, I say, God, forgive me. I want to repent. And repentance is just a change of direction. You see it? Where do I go? I just go right back here. I had a moment. And now I'm back. I'm not perfect, but I had a moment. I'll probably have another one, but I'm going to keep on coming back. That's Where that's the kind of person I want to tell their story. Not someone who's going to stand up here and say, man, I've never struggled in my whole life. It's amazing. I'm incredible. I'm a Christian superstar. No, you're not. But you can also have a mindset. A mindset says this. Okay, I read Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Lean not in your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that in theory. I like that. That's kind of a neat little, that's kind of neat. Oh, but here's the thing. I trust him in some of my ways, but not all of my ways. So I don't stumble, I stride. I just head over here. Like, right, that's the path, right? This, no, 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 not for me. Not, not in this one area. No, in, 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 uh, hey, hey, hey. God says to be generous. I'm not, I'm Dutch, okay? It's just who I am. I'm Dutch, by the way, so don't email me, okay? So, it's just, it's just my thing. Hey, Jesus says, be kind, be kind. I'm mean. My dad was mean, my grandpa was mean, my great-great-great-grandma was mean. I'm just mean, it's just who I am, it's just who I am. Paul says, if that's you, no, not right now. Not, 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 not making decisions and not sharing your story. Not right now. Because you're not really following Jesus. Do you understand? Because what you want to be is you want to be a pl- in a place in your life where you can say, hey, follow me. We're headed in the right direction. And eventually you're going to pass me and it's going to be awesome. But when you start doing this, people don't know what to do now, right? It causes problems. So now Paul lays out in one paragraph everything that it that we need to be aware of when it comes to leaders. And again, I hope you all, I hope we all aspire to provide direction, to provide, to pro- provide inspiration in the church. He lays out, and, and it's just one short paragraph, but he's so smart. And I had to break the paragraph in half so that I can cover half of it this week and half of it next week. But again, remember, this is a life, right? This is a life I wanna live. You say, well, it seems pretty stringent. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's power. It's forgiveness. It's, it's purpose. It's the promise of eternity. It's, it's the life that I want to live. And so I'm head, I stumble once in a while, but I'm heading in this right direction. I'm heading in the right direction. So Paul says this. You want to be a leader? I hope you do. I hope you do. I, I hope you aspire to provide direction, provide inspiration one day. I hope you do. You want to be a leader? It says, you need to be committed. It says, committed to his wife. Committed to his wife. And so there's some people who look at that passage and they say, wow, see, that's what I'm telling you, Mike. It it can only be men. Only men can lead in the church. Only men can. Committed to his wife, it says, right? It's weird, though, because that doesn't make any sense, if I was to say that, because Paul was single. So Paul didn't have a wife to be committed to, and therefore would be excluding himself from church leadership. What's the principle there? The principle there is that if you are married, you should be faithful to the person you are married to. If you are married, you should be faithful to the person that you are married to. You want to be a leader? I hope you do. That'd be good. You should be faithful to the person you're married to. It's it's, it's not just faithful to his wife, it's the principle of faithfulness. It's like if you read in the the, the, the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, it says this, do not covet your neighbor's wife. That's all it says. So if you're married, don't be coveting your neighbor's wife. But it doesn't say, don't covet your neighbor's husband. So therefore, does that mean, Women, you can, you're, you can be married and covet your neighbor's husband till the cows come home. Don't know why I said the cows come home. No, of course, it's the principle of faithfulness. Got it? Makes sense. Okay. So if I had to pick one area that's caused tremendous destruction in the church, in ministries, this would be one. Next week, I'll talk about another one. But the top two would be unfaithfulness and greed. So let's talk about unfaithfulness. Here's the problem with it. At some point, someone becomes a communicator or a decision maker. And maybe they're up, especially the the lead communicator, they're up on a stage sort of like this. And they say, listen, they say this. They say, no matter who you are, or where you've been, or what you've done. Jesus loves you. Whoa! Are you kidding me? That's crazy. Because, listen, 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 a vast majority of people that aren't sitting here right now, aren't tuned in online right now, do not believe that. But they stand up on a stage and they say, no matter who you are, or where you've been, or what you've done, Jesus, loves you so much so that he died for you and rose again for you so that you can have forgiveness of your sins, the power to change little by little, a purpose for living and the promise of eternity. And that person has walked in and they're sitting in a seat just like that or they're tuning in online and there's something inside them that says, that's impossible. It can't be. Jesus could never love someone like me. And for whatever reason, on that day, the Holy Spirit moves, listen, and <clears throat> they believe it. Seems, to be, seems too good to be true, but they believe it. And then one day, they hear that same person who stood up there and said, you can believe me. Jesus loves you. They find out that one time that person stood up in front of God and witnesses and said this, you can believe me. I will be faithful to you. I will cherish you. I will honor you. Sickness, health, better, Worse, richer, poorer, till death do us part. And they lied. So Paul says, hey, I don't know what your track back there looks like. It's really irrelevant, by the way. You know Jesus is a savior of today, right? Paul says, I don't know what your track back there looks like, but for right now, okay, you need to have made the decision that you're going to be faithful to your spouse. That if there's even a hint, if, they, if there's even a hint, this mindset that says, nah, yeah, it sounds good in theory, but here's the thing. I just like attention from people I'm not married to. You know what I mean? I just like it. It sounds like a good idea in theory, but I like to flirt online. Huh. Just my thing. It, it, it seems like a, a pretty good idea in theory, but here's the thing. I like porn. roll. Paul says, hey, if that's where you're at, if that's your mindset, if that's your mindset right now, please, please don't seek to give direction in the church, and please don't seek to give inspiration in the church. Not yet. Because the problem is when you step into church leadership, you have to understand that you're, you're, you're choosing a side. Does that make sense? that I really believe, you guys, and I think we all know this. I think it's self-evident for all of us. There's a spiritual battle going on in this world. It's a battle of light versus dark, hope versus despair, life versus death, kindness versus cruelty, love versus hate, and it's raging. And when you stand up and say, I'll provide direction, I'll provide inspiration, you're choosing a side. You're choosing hope and kindness and love and light and life. But there's a spiritual enemy named the devil. He's chosen the side too. He's going with cruelty and death and darkness and despair. And if you're over here, he's going to take that little crack that you've left open in the door, he's going to kick it down. You understand that? Because there's been a moment when someone was listening. And and maybe you're gonna tell the story and you're gonna say, it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done, Jesus loves you and he does. But if you've left that crack of unfaithfulness open in your life, he's gonna kick it down. Because he wants to injure people spiritually through you. So what are you saying, Mike? All I'm saying is this, hey, let's get back here. It sounds pretty scary. There's a spiritual battle going on in the world. It's not scary at all. It's not scary at all. Paul wrote a letter directly to the Ephesian church. In Ephesians chapter 6, he says this. Just be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Just be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. You're fine. You're fine. You, you, you know what it is to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power? Right here, man. Right here. Right here. Following him. Follow, hey, follow me as I follow him. I'm following him. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. I don't want to be over here, though. Is this harsh? I'm just telling you what he said. Got to be cool and collected. You can't be a snapshot, right? You can't have this mindset that just says, I'm Irish, I, I think Maybe Irish people are grumpy. I don't know. But, but anyways, I, I, you, you, can't, you can't have this mindset that just says, I just have a temper. You know, I just have a temper. My, my mom had a temper and now I have a temper. I lost my temper. Stop saying that. Stop saying you lost your temper. You didn't. That's a mindset. You see the mindset? You don't lose your temper. Your temper is right where you put it, in the driver's seat of your life. God says, I'll give you, hey, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And you'll be, what? Self-controlled. Not controlled by your anger. Paul says, be cool and collected. Be accessible. Accessible. What does that mean? If you're going to provide a direction in the church, and I hope you aspire to that, and if you're going to provide inspiration to the church by telling your story, be accessible. Your life should be an open book. Not, not, not to everyone, but to someone. To someone's. There should be people who, like, really, really know you. And if there's areas of your life where you're like, man, I want to follow him, but I'm stumbling, that's okay. Get some people around you. Tell them your story. They'll pray for you. They'll help you. They'll support you. They'll cheer you on. It's amazing. But it's just so hard, right, to be accessible. Paul says, man, if you're going to be a leader, you need to be accessible. So for me, I'm really grateful for the three overseers we have at this church, Carson Pugh and George Franco and Mike Heppel. Once a month, we get together, and they say, hey, okay, Mike, give us your report. And I report. How am I doing as a husband? How am I doing as a dad? How am I doing as a leader? How am I doing as a preacher? How am I doing as a son? How am I doing as a neighbor? It's great. Accessible. So, so, so important. I don't know, it's a big deal, you know? Because I said earlier that if we really want to know God, like really know him better, if we really want to find freedom and we really want to change the world, we need to do it together. And I love being here with you, whether you're online or in person, I love it. But, but together means together together. Like around a circle, not necessarily a row. Like I hope you have some people that you can sit together with. That's why we think Southside groups are such a big deal. That's why we talk about 101 all the time. If you're new to faith or new to Southside. I really think that we're going to know God and find freedom and change the world to our best degree when we all have a one another. When it comes to love one another, we all need to be accessible. Paul also says you need to be hospitable. That's an interesting one because uh, that, that verse has been used in old school churches to say this. You need to be hospitable if you wanna be a leader, right? So if you're a preacher, here's what you need to do. After you're done preaching, you need to always have a family from the church over for roast beef and Yorkshire pudding, okay? That's hospitality and that's really, really important. Tell that to Corinne, okay? That's not gonna happen probably, okay? But, so, so, but you need to have a couple of shindigs at your house over the week and that would be great. Okay, again, like, I'm all about, hey, let's one another it. One another is important. Just please understand, that's not what hospitable means in the Bible. In the Bible, when a follower of Jesus hangs around with another follower of Jesus, that's called fellowship. And it's so important, again, that you should have some places where you can be accessible, where you can be in a circle and not always in a row. Hospitality, however, means you have to have a care and concern and a compassion Listen to this for people that aren't sitting here right now, that aren't watching online right now. You need to really, really, really care about people far from God. You, 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 you need to understand. That there are people in our world that are really struggling and really hurting and really going through brokenness in their life and they're looking down at the world and what they need more than anything else from you and me from the church is this. They need love, they need kindness, and they need to have us give them the ability to look up to a savior who actually says, take heart, take heart, take heart, even in this world I've overcome it. Take heart. That's what the world needs. Because if you ever lose sight of that, all of a sudden you're going to have this church which is like a holy huddle where we're catering to the convinced and we're all about ourselves in these four or 26 walls, whatever. You, there's all sorts of little corners, okay? But, but, but that's not the goal. Can't lose sight of why we're here. This is how we change the world. Yeah, it's so important that we know God. Absolutely. I want, I want to know God better. I want you to know God better. It's absolutely important that we find freedom, for sure. And when we help others know him as we do, when we help others find freedom as we have, the world changes. That's why we're here. And I'll end with this. Not be overfond of wine. Two people got up and walked out when I said that after the first service. I don't mean you can't have a glass of wine. No, I made that up. Okay, so what does that mean? Well, it's actually really, really, really amazing. Let me describe October of 2021 for you in a nutshell. You want to know what's going on in our world? I'll tell you what's going on in our world. Everybody, everybody, you, me, everybody has pain from their past. Everybody does. Everybody has, has scars from yesterday. Everybody has trauma that's happened to them at one time or the other. You say, well, my trauma, like I know somebody that's got it way worse than me. Mm-hmm, I believe you. Anyways, your trauma is your trauma. We all have it. We all have scars. And in life, you need to, have a, you need to make a decision about what you're going to do about those injuries, those emotional injuries from your past. Are you going to choose healing or are you going to choose hiding? That's the decision. You want to know what's happened in October of 2021? Everybody's choosing to hide. Alcohol, drugs, porn, binge entertainment, politics. Everybody's choosing to find something to mask, to numb what's going on, the scars, and the pain, and the trauma. And it doesn't work. It's like this. So I'm standing up here, and you know, you're mad at me because I talked about your car heart okay? So I'm 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 up here speaking and I'm just minding my own business, trying to do the best I can. You get around, I don't see boom, you shove me off the stage. I like the toque, okay? Like I don't know why, but you did, and it was and you broke my arm. Like it's bad, right? Like it's compound fracture. Like so bad, in fact, that like the bone is jutting out of the skin. And there it is, and there's my arm, and I go, Well, thanks, man. Like the least you can do is drive me to the hospital. Okay? And so you drive me to the hospital and we get there, we wait for four and a half hours, okay? And, and we get in and the doctor says, Look, 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 here's the thing. You're going to have to set it. we are going to have to set, the bone's broken. It's like jutting out of the skin, right? We're going to have to set that thing. And then after we set it, um, we're going to cast it. Okay, okay, doc, so you're going to put a cast on it, okay? How long? Ah, six to eight weeks. Pardon? I need mean six to eight weeks. Well, whenever it's healed, I don't know exactly how long that's going to take okay, but the good news is, is one day we're going to take the cast off and it's going uh, to be stronger than it even was before you broke it. And I look at the doctor and he says, you can trust me. And I go, let's get out of here. This guy's a clown. Not doing it. Let's go find some morphine. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. <laughs> okay, let's go to the morphine store. So you go to the morphine store and we grab some uh, We grab some morphine, right? Now think about it. So did I talk about my arm? The the bones jutting out, all that stuff. Okay, so there's there's my arm. It's just broken. It's a compound fracture, and it's like it's 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 bad. But like I don't want I don't want to get it set because that's gonna hurt. I don't want to put a cast on because like I don't know. That's like how long is it gonna take? And I'm not patient enough to wait. And I don't know if I believe this guy that it's gonna be like better when it's all done. So I'm just gonna mask it. I'm just gonna numb it. I'm just gonna take some morphine. <laughs> right? It, it works too. It works pretty good. You don't have to go through that pain. You don't have to go through that patience. It's pretty awesome. Like at first, but eventually it kind of starts to smell. Finally, I, well, I thought I was gonna gross you out with a bone jug under the skin and you're all just staring at me going, big deal. Okay, so I had to talk about stink and that got you. Okay, so now, so now it, it smells. And it's not getting, it's not healing, it's getting worse and worse, okay? You wanna know what's happening in October of 2021 in our world, listen to this. Now imagine that we're all broken. Imagine that we're all broken. Imagine that we all have brokenness from our past, brokenness in our lives, and imagine that instead of finding healing, we're all just turning to numbing. How does that work? Okay, because I, man, like, I, I, I got morphine, but I need more and more. And then I bump into you, and I got a broken arm, and you got a broken clavicle. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but, but you do, and it, and, 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 so, and, it hurt, and it hurts. So you think in that moment, I'm like, ah, sorry about that, let me hear your perspective. No, because I'm in pain. And it makes me mad. That's October of 2021. That's a whole world that shows hiding over healing. And here's the thing. The Bible calls Jesus the great physician. He says this. You got brokenness, and you got scars. And here's your first step. Listen, listen, listen. Here's your first step. God, I need you. I know it's gonna hurt, right? Because it's hard to admit that we need help. But just to come up and say, God, I Need you. Get counseling. Get prayer. Find someone else to talk to. That's hard. And then I wish, that, I wish that there was some rule that said, and if you do that, in three weeks, you too can be completely fine, and you'll never stumble again in your life. It's not the way it works. But here's how it does work. He loves you, and he's for you, and he's going to heal you little, by little, by little, and one day, listen, this is crazy, one day, you're gonna be stronger than you would have been if it never would have happened. It's called redemption, and it's a miracle, and that's what I'm believing for you. You wanna know what the hope in the world is? You know what the hope of the world is in October of 2021? It's really simple. It's a whole world full of people that come to the point that say this, you know what I've been thinking? I've been thinking something. I think the wind and waves still know his name. God, I need you. That's it. That's it. So I asked the band to play, specifically Leah and Brianna. I'm going to ask you do something a little bit different. They're singing a song called Lord, I Need You you really simple and instead of standing i want to ask us all can we just remain seated if you're watching online or in person let's just remain seated and i want to ask you to make that confession i don't know how you're doing today i don't know exactly what's going on but i know this we all we all are walking with a limp we all have struggles we all have scars and to come to this place where you go god this hurts to say it but the truth is i need you and begin that healing process in your life